Lawyers always need to be on top of their game, or at least appear to be. It can feel overwhelming to recognize or admit when we aren't, and even harder to reach out and get help. Welcome to Sidebar, brought to you by North Carolina's Lawyer Assistance Program, where lawyers help lawyers by sharing their experience, strength, and hope as they delve into their personal journeys of recovery. Hi, I'm Candace Hoffman, the field coordinator with the North Carolina Lawyer Assistance Program. And I'm back today with Laura Marr, who's a North Carolina and Oregon lawyer and founder of Conscious Legal Minds, LLC. She provides well-being consulting, training, and resilience coaching for attorneys and law offices nationwide. And she is also a regular contributor to the sidebar this quarter She's come to us with a mindful moment entitled 10 Questions to Unearth Subconscious Stuckness and Transform Limiting Beliefs. Laura, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me back, Candice. I really like the title. There's great imagery sifting when those gym mines in the mountains where you're sifting through all of this material to try to find those pretty gems and nuggets underneath. And Tell us today, what are we trying to get to? What are these subconscious beliefs that you're talking about in your article? Beliefs are our inner decision makers and beliefs can either be conscious or unconscious. Most often there's a lot of things that we are believing that are actually subconscious that we don't even know are really informing what our thoughts are, what our perceptions are, what our behaviors are how we communicate and our actions. So how are these beliefs formed? They're pretty intricate and they're formed by a combination of a lot of things. And some of those things are our personal experiences throughout this lifetime. You know, like what happened when I was five, what happened when I was 10, what happened last night? They're also influenced by cultural influences. So depending on the culture or cultures we grew up in, those can influence our beliefs. Our family's beliefs, generational beliefs, can also impact and help form our current beliefs, subconscious or conscious, our education and our exposure to information, and also our lack of exposure to certain information can impact and help create our beliefs. Certainly. I remember some of the biggest perspective opening and shifting I had as a child and a young adult was traveling and seeing how other cultures live. You know, these these concepts had not even occurred to me, just how different countries process time and travel. And it, it's incredible what exposure to other cultures people can do to our beliefs. I agree. When one of the most impactful travel experiences I had was when I graduated from high school, I, I lived in Mexico for a year. And seeing myself through the eyes of the Mexicans as a foreigner and really being able then to see Americans, I lived on the border in Tijuana and seeing Americans through Mexican eyes really shifted my perspective of, oh, who are Americans? What are Americans? And also my familial beliefs, because the the Mexican families that I lived with had different cultural practices and different familial beliefs and different patterns of doing things than my family had ever done. We both are talking about the process of being exposed to new information, being exposed through life experiences to a different kind of education and how that can impact our beliefs. 
So when we're thinking about these beliefs, what can a really positive belief or set of beliefs do for us? It's a great question. When I think about positive beliefs, I'm thinking about things that give us courage or help us to feel calm in challenging situations, or they might allow us to be compassionate towards other people in difficult situations. They can give us strength. They can motivate us to do hard things. And overall, positive beliefs are things that support our internal sense of of calm confidence. There's a powerful new resilience tool that we've been talking about one of our CLEs and not to get too off topic, but it's in the same vein of just how powerful our mindsets around Mm -hmm. certain things are. And we talked a lot about the Harvard uh, physical stress response study where they took two groups of people and put them in a stressful situation. And they told one group their blood pressure raising, their heart rate going faster, their sweating was actually preparing their body for action. And it was making them more efficient and better at whatever the situation was. And they didn't tell the other group anything. And they looked at all their bio data afterwards. And the group that they told their physical stress response was a good thing, their blood vessels remained open and didn't constrict like they normally would in times of stress. So it looked like somebody would look like in times of courage or joy. And it's it's so crazy how powerful these positive beliefs and mindsets can be. Yes. So not only do our beliefs impact our feelings and our actions and our behaviors, but they also impact us on a neurobiological level. It's really incredible. What is the converse of that? What are really negative beliefs or belief systems doing to us? Those are what I call limiting beliefs. They're beliefs that obscure our sense of confidence. They can be beliefs that obscure our sense of curiosity. They can obscure our compassion. They can obscure our sense of calm. They can really limit us from feeling like we belong oftentimes. And maybe it'll keep us from feeling like we belong in our profession or in our community or in our world. And what I see with attorneys, and I experienced this myself, is that if we have limiting beliefs about how we as an attorney fit into the legal community, we can end up feeling like we have imposter syndrome, like I'm not a real lawyer, I'm not actually smart enough, I'm not actually confident enough, like this is all actually just a a facade I'm putting on. And so that can lead to feelings of isolation. And I'm wondering if you do see this, I know you deal primarily with attorneys, but I'm wondering if we are a population with higher amounts of limiting beliefs because we are so high on that negativity bias, if those often go hand in hand. Yes. And so the negativity bias is really the part of our neurobiological survival system, which says, pay attention to the bad and ignore the good. Because if I pay attention to the bad, I'm more likely to survive. If I pay attention to the good, I'm more likely to be eaten by a tiger in the neurobiological sense, because lawyers have a stronger negativity bias, we are more likely to see and perceive things as a threat than non-lawyers. We can have a lot of limiting beliefs around the success of our cases, around our own competence, around our own feelings of being prepared, around even relaxing. If we get a good judgment on one of our cases, we can always think, oh, I could have done better. I let somebody down. I, you know, there's something that could have been done better here because it's helpful in our careers 
to believe that we're not doing enough so that we're always driven to do more. It might be great professionally, sort of in the short term, but in the long term, that really impacts our self-confidence and our ability to rest and reset and sustain a really long and successful career. It's a marathon, not a sprint in yes, this career. Exactly. So now that we know about what limiting beliefs can do to us, what do we do about it? How do we attack or confront these limiting beliefs in a helpful way? It's a really big topic. And for the mindful moment, I put together 10 questions that are a process that you can walk through if you find yourself feeling stressed or disappointed or frustrated or dissatisfied or disconnected or stuck someplace. And you're like, I want to unearth my subconscious stuckness here. Like what is going on? So I put together a list of 10 questions that you can walk yourself through and they will be in the article that is attached to this podcast. So you can just pull up the, the questions, but I can read through the questions. And then if you're willing, Candice, like you have been in the past to walk through the 10 questions with me, we can demo it for people and kind of see what happens. Of course. First question is, where am I feeling stuck? Disappointed, frustrated, afraid, dissatisfied, disconnected. The second question is, what am I telling myself or believing to be true about myself in this situation? The third question is, how do I feel physically expanded? or contracted when I say aloud what I believe to be true about myself in this situation. The fourth question is, how likely is it that what I'm believing to be true about myself is actually true? The fifth question is, what am I afraid will happen if I don't hold this belief about myself or behave in a way that supports my limiting belief? The sixth question is, what is one kind thing I can say about myself or to myself in this situation. The seventh question is, what would it feel like to believe something better about myself in this situation or about myself in general? And as you do that, you want to tune into the sensations of the body. The eighth question is, if I weren't feeling stuck or disappointed, frustrated, afraid, dissatisfied, disconnected, whatever the emotion is in this situation, what would I like to believe about myself? The ninth question is, what does it feel like to believe something empowering about myself in this situation? And then here again, you want to tune into the sensations of the body. And then the last question is, what is one step that I can take right now to act as if the empowering belief is true and the limiting belief is false? Okay, that's a lot to do. All these 10 <laughs> questions. Yeah. And so let's walk through the process so you can see how naturally it flows you know, you can print out the article and you can read the questions and then write them down. I think that's a really helpful way for people to process if you're doing it alone. But if you're working with someone, and I find that with my my coaching clients, if we walk through this process together, it's pretty natural and it doesn't feel super forced or even super effortful. So we're going to put you on the spot, Candice, if you're willing. I'll lead you through the 10 questions and answer them just naturally. Like whatever comes to your mind first, just go with that. Okay. Okay. So let me first ask if there's a place where in your life, whether professionally or personally, or it might be a combination where you are feeling stuck, you might feel disappointed around that, frustrated around that, maybe afraid, dissatisfied, disconnected. Can you think of something like that? 
I guess I would call it frustrated that it feels like this never ending battle kind of at the end of the day where I'm unable to sit and just be because I see the 10 to 20 potential things that I'm going to have to do the next morning. And so I feel like I have to go around the house, clean all the dishes, make sure everybody's stuff is ready for tomorrow, do X, Y, and Z, instead of being able to just sit and be. In a nutshell, your limiting belief is I can't rest until everything is done. Yes. Really good. Okay, great. So what are you telling yourself or believing to be true about yourself in those, you know, in that situation, like at night when you're like hyper doing? That future Candace, the Candace of tomorrow can't handle it if things are undone, if she has to wake up and handle all of this tomorrow. Like there's an insecurity about you being able to take care of what's going to come tomorrow and maybe a sense of being overwhelmed tomorrow if you don't prepare today? Yes, that there's going to be a lot of chaos. Yeah. Okay. As you say that, do you feel physically expanded or do you feel physically contracted? Definitely contracted. Yeah. And where exactly in your body can you feel that constriction? Mainly in my chest. Yeah. Okay. Really good. Let's go on now to see if what you're believing that future Candace is going to be overwhelmed if current Candace doesn't overdo, how likely is it that what you're believing to be true about yourself is actually true? I would say 50-50. <laughs> so about 50% of you thinks that this is actually the way to do it. And there's 50% of you that's open to maybe having a different belief. Yes. That's great. That's a great place to start. Let's start with that part that thinks that if she doesn't overdo, she's going to be overwhelmed. And what is that part afraid will happen if you don't hold this belief about yourself and behave in that way? That I will underdo, that there will be a lot of friction in the morning. It will start everyone's day off, not from a place of calm positivity. Not that it starts that way, even when I overdo, but Yeah, I think that's what I feel, that I will somehow engender more friction in the household. Okay, really good. What is one kind thing that you can say about yourself or to yourself in this situation? That there's no way that everyone in the world does this every night and somehow everyone else seems to to get up in the morning and get where they need to go and things fall in order so that I am not so different than these other theoretical people and I should be able to do it too or it will be okay if I did that too. Hang out right there with I'm going to be okay and things are going to be okay if I let myself relax right now. And what would it feel like to believe something better about yourself in the situation or about yourself in general? Comforting and hopeful. Yeah, really nice. And are there any sensations in your body that you can feel when you think about being comforted and hopeful? I get this warm feeling and I don't know if I'm physically warm, but it feels like a warm, almost like blanket around my shoulders and upper chest. 
Yeah, really nice. So just stay with that feeling of that warm blanket around your shoulders and your chest. And if you weren't feeling stuck and frustrated in this situation, what would you like to believe about yourself? That I can remain calm and handle things as they come without having to ever prepare. Yeah, really nice. So just try this. I can remain calm and still be prepared. I can remain calm and still be prepared. And what does it feel like when you believe that empowering thing about yourself? I keep circling back to hopeful. Yeah. Like I've created a new option that wasn't there before. Yes, exactly. And here again, as you feel that hopefulness, are there any sensations in your body that feel like they're being activated in a positive way in relationship to that hopefulness? Feeling lighter. Mm -hmm. Really nice. So Candace, what is one step that you can take right now to act as if this empowering belief is true and that the limiting belief is false? I can say that by over-preparing, I'm creating more probably stress and resentment than the other side of it, than the relief that I would get by not having to do it and that that balance is worth it. Great. If you think about yourself tonight, moving into that old pattern, what is one way to remind yourself that you've already shifted this belief? So it could be like a reminder on your phone. You could go put a sticky note on your refrigerator or something that will visually or auditorily cue you that you have this option to choose this different belief. Honestly, I've started using this to playfully mess with the other people in my household is I will set Alexa reminders. So she'll say it out loud at 7.30 or 8. Candace, you don't need to do anything tonight. Everyone can get themselves ready tomorrow morning. Yeah, that's great. Okay. So you're already hacking your, your family's um, habit by th with Alexa. Just to reflect for you, how did it feel to move through those 10 questions? It felt like a tunnel kind of widening its path. A lot of times with limiting beliefs, I, I know I've had them before in my life. I talked to someone I use as kind of a spiritual advisor, and I was explaining to her one path one time, you know, I need to get this job so that this will happen. And she's like, wow, you've only created one option. Like yeah. you, you can't see around the corner. You don't know what the end result is, but you've already decided you do. Yeah. So you ignore the signs of everything else. And this on a, on a micro scale is kind of like that. Like I've already decided that tomorrow is going to be chaotic if I don't do this. I haven't created the opportunity for other things to happen. That's exactly right. And generally our limiting beliefs do create that tunnel experience. It feels like our perspective is really limited and our options are really limited. Our resources are really limited. And that's how we know that we're in a limiting belief because our survival strategies kick in. And generally in a survival strategy, things become very narrow and very focused on this one way and that way only. When we open up to a positive, supportive belief, just like you explained, that feeling of spaciousness 
comes around. The feelings of different perspective comes in. The ideas and the creative options come in. So perfect. That's exactly what we want to have happen. So what happens if someone tries this practice and they come back tomorrow, but they still feel they have this limiting belief? For most of us, if we've been consciously or unconsciously thinking the same limiting belief for years, it can be really difficult to transform it. Our neural pathways are sort of grooved in that in that groove. And so it takes time to grow the new neural pathways, to form the new beliefs, to form the new habits, and to change how we see ourselves in the world. And also a lot of our limiting beliefs can be st- based in our families or our our cultural or our communities survival strategies. Some limiting beliefs need extra time. And a lot of times we need professional support because oftentimes we have a blind spot. If we have an unconscious belief, we don't even know that it's there. And even if we know that it's there, it might feel really threatening to change it. Many of us have had negative experiences, like really actual things that didn't go well. And so it's hard to shift that belief without really taking time to, it's like one belief at a time, one small step at a time can be really helpful. If you're like, no, I just want to try this on my own and you keep getting stuck. It's a good idea to pause and go do something else and then come back to the belief later. Because if you're getting stuck in trying to unstick your stuck beliefs, it's most likely that you're not going to be able to shift it when you're pushing through. So pausing, going and thinking about something else, you might even find that as you're thinking about something else, that the shift happens. Like that you mentioned too, if if it becomes hard or you're not able to do it time after time, that that might be a good time to seek out some professional help. Because I'm sure that there are a lot of what we could call limiting beliefs that surround, like you said, bad experiences or even trauma experiences. And that would be a good time. Yeah, exactly. And so if you're looking for professional help, you want to look for someone and you feel like it's a belief that came from a traumatic experience. You want to make sure that you're working with someone that's trauma informed and also knows how to deal with limiting beliefs. So it's kind of a specialized skill set. Thank you. And so do you have any other material that sheds light on these practices? I got so excited uh, writing about limiting beliefs that I actually wrote my current North Carolina State Bar Pathways to Wellbeing column this month on bypassing burnout beliefs. So you can go to the North Carolina State Bar Journal's website, Eight Steps to Transform Beliefs that Exhaust You. So that article is talking specifically about burnout beliefs. It's a longer article than the Mindful Moment, and there's more information. I'm also offering a a new course called Tuning into the Wisdom of the Body to Optimize Your Legal Practice. I also wrote that article for the North Carolina State Bar Journal, Pathways to Wellbeing. It's gotten such great response that I've turned it into a course. I'm going to teach this course, a six-week course of this for the Buncombe County Bar here in Asheville this fall. But It can be duplicated for firms, it can be duplicated for bar associations, or any group of people that really want to understand the way the body responds to our limiting beliefs and what we can do physiologically and neurobiologically to shift our experience of the world. That's using the wisdom of your body to say, hey, I'm on the right track. 
because your body was relaxing versus when you were thinking the limiting belief, you were feeling that constriction. So our body can be untapped intelligence that if we pay attention to it can really help guide us toward positive beliefs. I so appreciate the breadth and depth of all of these great resources you've created around this. Well, thank you so much for being here again with us today. And I can't wait to hear what the next tool is next quarter. Thank you so much, Candice. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for joining us at the sidebar. If this is your first time, we encourage you to listen to another episode or two, subscribe to our newsletter, and peruse the resources at www.nclap.org. And if you know a lawyer who could use a hand, please share this episode with them today. Remember, at Sidebar, you are not alone. In fact, you are in quite good company.